and welcome to Game and Watch, the podcast where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. Uh, I am Aaron, joined as always by my co-host James, your co-host. Well, yeah, we're co-hosts. I mean, we're unless co-hosts. you want unless you want to take the the role of like supreme host. No, then, there's no oh, hier- we don't do that here. There's oh, no hierarchy. Fair yeah, fair enough. Um, speaking of hierarchies or things that are <laughs> tall. Um, <laughs> we have a game about a tall house today. <laughs> if you were to pitch this uh, to somebody um, like that, I think they probably wouldn't play it. Well, it's about a tall house. It is. Uh, <laughs> and surprisingly enough, the tall house is probably my favorite part about the game. It's a pretty great house. I will it's a game that. that has a lot going on. And I can't say that I loved all of it. All right. Or tell, was mu- tell the people. Was much interested. I, no, I mean, we'll, we'll, we will tell the people. Well, um, I, uh, tell the people what game. Oh, oh, are, do you think we could maybe just go like another five minutes without mentioning the game title? Well, I figure it's on the title of the episode, but, you know, oh. maybe, maybe people are just picking this. Maybe people don't they read. Don't, yeah, yeah. Today we're doing um, the indie game. What remains of Edith Finch? What's left of her? What is? Uh, and and yeah. if, again, not, I remember when this game came out, I, I didn't lo- like read anything about it. Uh, I had no idea what the title meant. Um, and I probably did think it was like a woman who's falling apart, like yeah. physically, literally falling apart. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, this is an indie game. Um, it was developed by the studio Giant Sparrow, um, who uh, before this had done a game called The Unfinished Swan. Um, I had never heard of that. Have you heard of it? I had. Um, okay. I, I, it was actually a game that when it came out, I really wanted to play, um, but I didn't. All right, perhaps uh, an episode for a later date then. Yeah. Um, and then it was published by Annapurna Interactive, uh, which is blowing up now for Outer Wilds, um, which is yeah, yeah pretty uh, that's, wild. That's a game I very much want to play. Yes. Um, so clearly very strong pedigree here uh, with those uh, that studio, that uh, producer. Um, and then the music was done by Jeff Russo. I had never heard of him before, uh, but he is a prolific television um, uh, comp- or composer. I, I did not heard of him either, but I am very familiar with his work because he did yeah. Argo in the Fargo FX series and Legion, the FX series. And I very much enjoyed the scores to both of yeah. those. Yeah, and the, the Night Of is very good. Um, mm-hmm. I have not seen Power, but uh, I haven't I have- either power um so yeah so they were definitely going for a cinematic experience here i think the music is extremely good yes um i i think a lot of the production values in this game are pretty good but we uh we will talk about that yep um so originally this was for ps4 xbox one and pc released in 2017 um the switch port got released in 2019 um we both played the switch version yes um i played primarily handheld i don't know about you uh no I threw it up on the TV and Miranda watched me play. Uh, I, okay. I, I like that. I, I like that we did two different um, kind of playthroughs of it because I played it in bed uh, mostly with, I did play a little on the TV, but um, for a good chunk of it, I played in bed with my headphones on with all the lights off. See that that's really nice. That's the way to do it. If you're going to do it handheld, I, I mean, I wanted that cinematic experience. And if you are going to throw it up on a TV, I love the idea of having headphones on because in fact, I actually, in a way, like, getting the full impact of this soundtrack and the sounds, um, the sound design of the game, I think would be awesome. So playing, I wasn't planning on replaying it. And to be honest, knowing myself, I probably won't ever do it. But if I were to, I think I would put headphones on and do it handheld. 
Yeah, I am kind of glad I did it with headphones at least because as you're, you're right, the sound design um, favors it. Like if you played this on a TV with surround sound, I think it would be fine as well. Yes. Um, but it's the kind of thing where, you know, the sounds will creep behind you and it makes, you know, you want to turn your character around and things like that where, uh, yeah, if you don't have headphones or a sophisticated sound setup, you know, you could miss little details like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think this game can be very immersive uh, under the right conditions. Um, and two, I think playing uh, handheld, I, I kind of had the idea, you touched on it briefly, but I had the idea that this game was going to be a lot grimmer than it was. It's grim in parts, but it's kind of also like whimsical and cozy. Um, and I think yes. playing handheld like in the dark in your bed is like a cozy kind of way to play it. And two things I want to mention really quick in case I forget to mention them later. In terms of immersion, I think, yes, it's very immersive. I think there are a couple moments in the game that ruin that immersion. Um, or at least they did for me, um, which is a little bit of a complaint I have. And in terms of, I think tonally, it's a little bit of a mix. And I don't yeah. necessarily think that works. There are times where I think it leans into like almost horror movie territory. Well, it, I mean, it, it literally well, it, does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it balances that with a little bit of like whimsy and I don't necessarily think that works for it. I, I don't know. You can, you can make the argument that it does, that it does work. I mean, I, I do like a little bit of darkness in, in, in my stories like this. And I think that there are, there are times where like that tonal balance is actually like works in its favor. And that when it does throw something out you, that's very, th throw something out there. That's very dark. Um, it's a little, it's really jarring. And I think that's the point. Um, you're like, Whoa, what kind of game am I playing right now? Right. Um, and then, but then when it shifts back to that kind of like lighthearted, like music and narration, I'm, it's, it's a little weird going. I like the shift from kind of like, like plain and like, or like dramatic to horror. But then when you flip back, I don't, I wasn't always a huge fan of, yeah. I see what you're saying. You weren't you weren't always on board with you know they they wanted you to flip with them and you you did not make the flip. Yes, I, I eventually it would like get me in like horror movie mode and then it I would like stay there and I then I'd yeah. be like what what the hell is going on? Right. Not that we wanted to cover yet another horror movie or horror game. Uh, we've done not, a though. lot of those. I, it's it, really it's not. not. I, no. We should not. We should specify that it is not a horror game. No. Um, let's talk about what it may have been. Yeah. Um, it actually originally began mm. as a narrative driven, uh, scuba diving simulator. Um, the lead director, uh, I don't have his name, but he is, I guess, an avid scuba diver and thought about making a game, uh, that simulated that, but also that had a very strong narrative, um, like element to it. So they, they started, um, with the idea of scuba diving and then, you know, hearing narration and text kind of on the screen. Um, but the team had the idea or the director had the idea of a child just saying, and suddenly I was a shark, um, and just switching up, you know, suddenly now you're a different animal and you're swimming. And the idea of a child saying that in a, in the forest and suddenly becoming a shark kind of, uh, developed Molly scenario. And then the rest of the game followed. Um, I think they probably realized that a narrative driven scuba swimming simulator could be pulled off, but it's probably pretty tricky. Yeah. Uh, this gave them way more freedom to kind of do whatever they wanted. 
Um, so a lot of the scenarios change over time. You can uh, you can look up a lot about the development of this game and how different scenarios could have played out. There's just not it's not really worth going into all of it. You can look it up if you're interested. Um, one weird detail I found is that they wanted Weird Al Yankovic to write a song about Edie that they would put in the game. What? Yeah. <laughs> yep. This game has a very, like, if you look at the development, it feels like it was a very, like, free-flowing, like, development where a lot of things are just kind of thrown out and, like, and they kind of saw what's... what's You know, it doesn't surprise me now that I hear it. And, I I, again, I think it's a little bit of a tonal mix and it doesn't always work. Um, And it sounds like that's kind of what the development of the game was like. It's like they, it's almost like they couldn't agree on a tone. So they were just like, let's throw a bunch at the wall and hope it all sticks. Yeah, I think so. And I think uh, well, something I read is that the team saw using the person's bedroom um, could kind of tell the player about them in a really clear visual way. Yeah. Which we, uh, which we see. Mm-hmm. We we, um, we can kind of talk about the bedrooms and things like that when we get to the gameplay. Yeah. Um, this was widely loved by critics. Um, it won a lot of Game of the Year awards. Um, it won a lot of indie awards. Um, very loved by critics. Everything I heard about this game was essentially through critics. Yes, um, and just same. seeing, seeing, th- you know, praise of it, but uh, I didn't really, again, really know much about it. Uh, it has a really kind of small fan community in that when I was looking for fan fiction, there really wasn't much. And also I, I just don't know anyone who's played this game or talks about this game. And I, know a lot of people that play video games, I listen to a lot of video game discourse and I don't really hear this game being talked about. Yeah. Um, same here. Kind of interesting because you know, say what you will about it. I think it it's a triumph in a lot of ways, even if it kind of stumbles in others. The main way I hear about it, I mean, I heard about it like when it came out in terms of just critics like reviewing the game and such. I didn't pay much attention to it, but I, I've i continued to hear about it a little bit and that I'm plugged in a bit to the video game uh, music, like vinyl community. And all of Annapurna's games, I think are kind of coveted in terms of their like, they're all very cinematic in nature and they have very excellent scores. And so I know people are really into the video game soundtracks, um, the soundtracks of, of the Annapurna games. Um, I have heard that. Yes. Outer Wilds. I want to play um, a lot of because of the music I've heard is incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you, uh, you and I don't know anyone who's played this game, like you said, and we have never played it or we had never played it until now. So this is our first time. Neither one of us is a history. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think we should just get right into the, to the plot of the game. Um, yeah, as we, us. as we go through this, I mean, we'll start with like a brief summary. Um, this is a, I feel like it's an insult to the genre to call it this, but it's a walking simulator. Um, I, I, I've heard yeah. that term thrown out and I don't like it. If I was a developer of a game like this, I would be like, fuck you. There's way more to it than that. I, I would call it a hybrid walking sim adventure game. Cause yeah, I, I see it called a, an adventure game a lot. And I don't, I don't think that's entirely accurate either. Um, Cause there's more kinesthetics and like, uh, yeah, I don't think it's yeah. really either. I think, I think it's a hybrid walking sim uh, adventure game. You're playing a movie in a way and yeah. you, your main functions are to walk and there's minimal gameplay elements. There are gameplay elements. Some of it is just like turning a key by turning your joystick, you know, opening a door by pushing your joystick in a certain way and just navigating, like moving a character, like your character moving 
you know, within one of the, like the little sub stories that you get, you know, moving something around, like it's, it's interactive and it's, it's interactive yeah. enough to keep your attention. And it's, it's not like so minimally interactive. You're like, well, why the hell don't I just watch a movie? I do think there's something to be gained in playing this. It is more immersive. I think it succeeds at that basic level. I, yeah, I would call this more of an, an immersive experience than I would a game. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, but anyway, so this generally involves kind of an exploration of a particular location that we'll explain in just a second. There are parts of this game that we're not going to talk about. There's like, there's so much detail in this game. There's, there's character backstories, character relationships, physical locations within this setting that we're not going to get into detail on. We're going to talk about it when it's, we think it's like most relevant or most creative or most worth noting. Um, but we will not talk about all of it. Um, it would just take way too long. Well, also too there, we talked about this a little uh, before we started recording, mm -hmm. but the idea that um, I think this game, whether it intends to or not uh, in terms of the developers, I think that the story itself invites a lot of like armchair detective work and like, yes. if you want to kind of stringing things together and where that kind of falls apart and where I don't think that the developers meant for that to be the case is that there are, there's just such a density of detail in thing, you know, in every area of the game in terms of like the items in the house, in terms of the books, things like that. There's, you sent me the picture in one of the bedrooms on the bookshelf is the Necro Necronomicon. Yep. Like if you were to take every detail here, literally, you could just say like, well, obviously the Finch family is cursed because they have the Necronomicon, right? <laughs> but it's like, I don't think that's literally, I think that's the developers just putting in a little like wink and nod. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't, I think you could really go down a rabbit hole with all the crazy amount of like details in this, uh, in this house. And I, I think that level of detail is commendable, but I, I don't think they did it so that you could launch crazy conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, so the summary of this game is that you play as Edith Finch Jr. I guess um, she has inherited her family's house and is the only known survivor of the Finch family. Each member of the Finch family has lived in this house at one point or another um, and has since died. Died or disappeared? Or disappeared, yes. Yeah. Um, so Edith it takes her journal um, or has a journal with her and is heading to the house to learn about her family, fill out her family tree, find out what happened to her ancestors. And that sounds simple, um, but there is, again, a lot of detail. Um, we, 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 you know, I would encourage people to play this game for reasons I'll get into later. I did not, I think this game is good at times and just okay at others. Um, but I would still recommend it as an entry into this type of genre. It's partially made me want to play more games like this. It's also turned me off in a little bit of ways that I will elaborate on. Um, I, I think this would be a great VR experience. Yes. Um, and I think this would be a really good entry point for uh, someone in your life that maybe doesn't play video games often or doesn't really understand why mm. like people like video games. Yes. I think if you show them this, it's like, look, there's more to this, you know, this medium. And this is a great example. Yes. So, so the game opens again, as Edith kind of approaching 
this house and you're getting a little bit of narration um, about like why she's there, um, what, you know, what she's, you know, going to be doing. And we should first talk about this setting because it is, in my opinion, the, the best part about the game. Um, it is a giant house in the Pacific Northwest. I think it's specifically Washington. Um, it's a uh, Orcas Island. Orcas uh, Island. Which okay. I don't know if that's real or not. I did not uh, look up if that's they real. They mention um, the Puget Sound, I think. Yeah. So that's the real place. So, yeah. Um, this house is really... Orca- Sorry, Orcas Island is real. <clears throat> okay. It up. All right. Go on. <laughs> this, this house is just incredible. Um, it is, as I mentioned to you, like by text or something, you know, it, there's big Ghibli vibes um, oh, to yeah. this house a little bit. Um, the, the, the forest outside is beautiful. Like the way that it's arranged, it's almost kind of like an impossible structure in a way. There is like the house proper and then kind of stacked on top of the house are almost like other makeshift rooms and like bedrooms yeah which it's, in it's the pacific almost... northwest with and especially like on, on like seaside you you'd think bad, that, bad idea bad idea um w- like wind like would just knock this house down like in yeah. some way and it's, it's at like the very like edge of a cliff like on you know the edge of the sea like it's yeah. just uh placed very precariously it kind of reminds me of um, like Dr. Winchester- Seuss. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes, yes. Yeah. It, it it does have kind of Dr. Seuss energy, and also the Winchester Mystery House, but instead of um, uh, horizontal, built vertically, just kind of like helter skelter, mm-hmm. not super planned, just kind of things thrown up um, willy nilly. Yes, very helter skelter. I mean, it, it there's so much going on and so much personality um, in this house. I mean, there are it, it's. You, when you eventually get in, there's, there's, there's a mess. I mean, it's the, the house is not been lived in for some time, but it still looks pretty neat, which I guess you could say is maybe a minor complaint is that like, how is this house like still standing? Um, I know there's fan theories that, well, we'll eventually talk about this, this curse. There's a, there's a presumed curse that has been the cause of all the Finch family member deaths or disappearances yeah, this curse is somehow responsible for the upkeep of this house, but we'll, we'll talk about the curse. Later. Yeah. I, I think I know what the curse really is. <laughs> I hope uh, it's a joke answer, but we'll see what you say. It's, it's both real and a joke. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much going on. There are books everywhere. Like we mentioned, there's like the Necronomicon though. My takeaway from that is when you see the Necronomicon and like the likes of um, infinite jest, I think like the books yeah. are extremely small, yeah. which are like the, both yes. of those books are a lot longer. Yes. Um, there's murals. Um, they're like the, the doors, the wallpaper, their furniture that are like very unique to each family member and their personalities. Um, um, we should mention though, that almost all of the doors have been sealed. Shut. Yes. Yes. And each one of them has a, or most of them have peepholes, which it exists, um, let's just say, because after certain family deaths and disappearances, you know, some of them became very concerned and wanted to be able to keep an eye on um, family members, especially young kids, um, be able to like peep in their, their room and, and see what they're up to. Um, you know, there are, there's a room with like two kids, um, 
that they, the room is like divided into these two like very unique sections. One of them is like kind of like a cowboy section, I think. The other is like space, but it's it's almost like each one of these rooms is its own little world. Like it's not just as simple as like the bed is like space bed sheets, space like pillow. Like there's like a staircase in the bedroom that goes up to this little hut where it's like a mission control station that like only a little kid or like maybe a short adult could fit in. It's it's just incredible. The amount of density in this house. It's like, I wanted to live in this house. Yeah, yeah very much so. Um, and also too, a lot of it is, I think, purposefully bigger than life in that way. Yes. Um, for example, uh, Lewis's room, one of the uh, rooms near the end is just like a boat jutting mm-hmm. out off the kind of near the top of the house. And it's just like, there's no way that could actually stand. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't see the house standing as like a result of any curse or anything. I think we're supposed to like, this is supposed to be an outsized kind of yes. story and kind of game. Um, and yeah, so like, I, I'm okay with that. Yes. Um, very briefly, just kind of touch on like the surrounding area. There is a, a set, a giant cemetery, very morbid that this family, like you, you learn that the family very familiar with its curse is like one of the first things they build when they get to America, they came from Norway is a cemetery because it's like, we know we're going to be dying. Let's like, let's build a cemetery. And the cemetery is full of Finch family members. I mean, morbid or practical. Also who else is going to be buried there? If not Finch family members, it would actually be, it would be weirder if there were no other people were buried there. True. Um, Other thing that's very notable a little bit of the background is that and we'll touch a little bit more on this in in a second that kind of the eldest finch that brought the finch family to the united states from norway sailed all the way to the u.s with their house like floating yeah kind of um, like i i thought of the movie up with you know yes the house on the board. exactly yeah. um very notably outside in the middle of the sea or ocean or wherever it is you can see the top of that house because waves hit the house when they when they arrived in the u.s and it crashed and broke the house and the house sunk um but a little bit of it is peeking out and well you do visit the house in a in a certain fashion that sunken house and it becomes a little bit more relevant in a way that we'll discuss in a bit um anything else to note about the setting uh no not really yeah so that's the setting essentially um, the, the how, or I'm sorry, the gameplay, uh, loop is basically you enter the house, you find someone's room or you find an item or you find some thing, uh, connected to them. Um, uh, the main character, Edith will kind of tell you a little bit about them in narration. Um, and then you kind of jump into their story. Um, and then that's essentially the game. Uh, you just move throughout the house, moving from character to character, and then as you discover each character's story, um, it opens up a, a little sub-menu um, where you have a family tree. And so it fills in their picture. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, again, that's basically the game. Um, it's, again, much more of an interactive experience. So we're just kind of going to list the characters. Um, we're going to talk about you know their significance in the story. If, if they have a significant part in the house or a bedroom, some don't. Uh, a lot do, but some don't. Um, and yeah, kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, you play as Edith Finch Jr. Um, one thing I noticed very early in the game, um, before it's kind of revealed that she is pregnant. <laughs> um, if you look down, you can kind of see a little, like you can see her baby bump. 
I didn't do that. That's interesting. I, I did that. And my initial thought was that she's pregnant because that would make sense for a story, but you're not supposed to guess at that. Right. Um, eldest Finch family member, the Edith's maternal great-great-grandfather is Odin Finch. He's the one I mentioned brought the Finch family to the U.S., um, his wife and son died in Norway due to what he referred to as the family curse. And then he himself died when the waves hit their boat and house and sunk the house and such. And so, you know, he, you know, he's trying to bring his family to the U S I don't know if it's to avoid, to escape a curse. Um, but either way he is, he dies. Um, uh, it's a less uplifting ending than up. I suppose I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there is a, there's a lot of darkness in this game. Um, some of the, some of the depths are very tragic. Um, disappearances too. Yeah. Actually, we we say they're all tragic there. I mean, they're pretty tragic. Um, some of them, I, I think maybe there could be a happy ending, but we'll, we'll get to those. Yeah. Uh, Sven Finch uh, is Edith's uh, maternal great grandfather. Uh, he died when he was only 49 though. And then uh, crushed by, oh yes, crushed by the slide he was making for his son's birthday. Or it's just only briefly referenced in the game. Yeah. Um, and just, I thought that was worth noting. Um, just the idea of like building, like you're building a slide and you get crushed by, I don't know. That's, that's again, very tragic, but that's a little silly uh, in terms of like compared to the other depths. Yes. Also, um, I, so you have um, kind of characters in the outline in different orders. Was, I, I guess we should clarify this. Is there a specific order that you have to go through? Like, I know there is to a certain point. I was wondering that there, there, there are definitely, I think there are areas in which you can do them in any order. Okay. Because I did Molly first. I did too. And that's not how I organized the outline. I organized it kind of like starting with like older members kind of getting down into like the younger members. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. It, it doesn't. And it, it, I, when I tried to organize it a different way, it got a little uh, unwieldy um, yeah. or it just it made less logical sense to me. So, I, you know, again, the idea is to play this game and to experience it for yourself. And, and the game does push you in a kind of linear fashion. There might be some ability to, to play certain stories before others. I actually would be curious to compare the way we did it to see if we actually actually did it the same way. Maybe you are expected to do it a certain way. Maybe it does prevent you from doing it out of order. Yeah, I don't know that any information you get out of any one story really needs to come before another. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, tell us about Edie. Um, Edie is kind of who the narrator is talking to or references a lot. Right? Yes. Edie is Edith's maternal great grandmother. She has lived the longest of any Finch uh, she, or she lived to the age of 93. Um, she doesn't have a specific part of the house, um, but her story kind of plays out through, again, Edith talking about when she was younger um, you play as like young Edith kind of sneaking around in some crawl spaces and she finds a book written by Edie that chronicles the Finch family history in a moment. And Edie kind of like talking about like in a journal or like a diary type way about a, a night of her life where the tide was so low that she was able to walk on the seafloor to the, to the wreckage of the sunken house. And it was the night of Edith's birth. And while you're playing that story, there is a heavy implication that Edie have, has come 
up with the major clues to the cause of the curse and why everyone is dying. And she found that answer in the sunken house. But before you're you're able to finish that story, Edith's mom rips the book out of her hands. And this is kind of at a moment where Edith's mom is trying to escape this family, escape this curse and takes Edith away from the house and away. And that's the last time Edith ever sees her great grandmother. So you never find out. Yes. And we can, again, we, when we get to the end and we can kind of talk about the curse. um, Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the curse. Yeah. Uh, Who's next? Uh, we have Barbara. Um, Barbara was was interesting. Um, it was Edith's maternal great aunt. Um, she was a child star. Um, she looks. There are posters posters of her. Um, she looks almost like a like a Shirley Temple kind of look alike. Um, she was in a child movie with Bigfoot, where she like screamed in a very cute way. Seemingly, yeah, she's famous for her scream. She's famous for her scream, yes. Um, however, uh, you find out her story um, through like a comic book um, in in her bedroom. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yes. So her bedroom um, is uh, kind of like the, filled with mementos from her life as a child star. Um, it's very pink. She has lots of decorations around, um, you know, movie posters, things like that. I think the bedrooms in this game go uh, really far towards, you know, telling you the personality of the person. Almost um, too far. Well, it's that's a li- the thing. It's a little, it kind of beats you over the head with it. That's the thing. And that's why earlier I was saying, like, it's a, I think it's supposed to be, like, larger than life, right? Yeah. Um, but you engage with Barbara's story by picking up a comic book that's supposed to be kind of like a Tales from the Crypt-esque comic. Exactly like and the, Exactly like it. Uh, and the comic is basically retelling the, like, quote-unquote, true story of uh the last night of barbara's life which is really weird um because yeah if a real life like actress vanished under these mysterious circumstances i think it'd be in pretty poor taste to release like you know it would be like um releasing like uh you know a tales from the crypt about like jfk jr's plane going down (laughs) and like exactly actually it was like plane goblins that take like it would just be very like disrespectful i feel like yeah and some of the we should mention that the way you play out these stories and the way you hear about them it's kind of like a they don't directly say what happens to some of these people but it's very easy to figure out what actually happened like it it creates like a fantasy version of their death it's still grim but it's not explicit so barbara um basically to make her story pretty short and simple. She had the chance for a comeback uh, by providing her scream. Um, so she went to uh, a part, or she went to. It was like a convention. Went, a convention. That yeah. was it. A convention, but it actually wound up being uh, like a surprise party for her, uh, hosted by actual monsters who then ate and murdered her. Um, and she's never seen again. However, the real life version is she just vanished Halloween night and her boyfriend probably killed her, but it may or may not have happened that way. It could have been someone else or she could have vanished. I, that's not how I, that's not what I think happened to her. Okay. What do you think? I disagree with you on that. Or, like the way that the story plays out is like the, with the comic is that the night, like it's Halloween night. And she's hanging out with her boyfriend at the time. She's like 16 years old. And he kind of disappears, goes in the basement. They're told like not to go in the basement. Um, 
And but he goes in there and she goes looking for him and he pops out of a refrigerator, tries to scare her. And she's like, oh, oh, you know, you scared me. And then some there's throughout this, there are kind of news reports in the area of a serial like a hook handed killer. Yeah, but like done very over the top. And also, this is all the information we're getting through the like Tales from the Crypt version of it. <clears throat> yes. And my understanding is that this killer who's prowling, you know, the their the area around the house and like the town, the nearby town or whatever, breaks into the house and kills her. Now, when I looked this up, I did not get this immediately. And like, so during the story, when you're looking at the comic, they, like you said, there was like a surprise party and, but then they're all dressed like monsters. Then they kind of all like gang up on her and she screams. My research into this with the wiki (laughs) is that she was killed by this serial killer. And there's a, there's a reference on the radio to other hoodlums who are out and about, not just this one killer. And so it seems like they're trying to say that the killer broke into her house, killed her. And then he and his cohorts ate her. And the, the eating of her is something I did not get when I was playing the game. But when I was when I was doing the research, like everything I saw about Barbara Finch mentioned that she was killed and eaten by a serial killer and may, possibly multiple killers. Interesting. I I kind of took the Tales from the Crypt magazine to to be taken with a grain of salt. And I was like, OK, well, all we really know at the end of the day is that she disappeared. Um, so in my head, I was like, there is some room for her to have willingly chosen to leave the family and vanish, um, which I think would also be thematically sound there, as well as her dying. There's a, so like her, I think she has like either a brother. Um, I think it's brother like Walter. Yes. Walter who is in the house. Well, do and, we want to just jump to Walter now? Cause they're, yeah, they're that's, the most, they're the most closely that's that's a good idea and and the reason i bring walter up again so that's this is edith's maternal great uncle he's apparently Uh, witnesses you're right right. barbara's death or at least like the serial killer in the house maybe he doesn't witness the death itself but he witnesses moments leading to barbara's death and this traumatizes him and so much so that he finds himself unable to face the outside world and he spends 30 years in the basement of the house. He kind of creates this like bunker for himself. Um, like a, it's a secret passage behind the fridge that we mentioned before in the basement. And it's this bunker and, he, and, and it's, he spends like almost uh, the vast majority of his life there, which is also very tragic. Um, gameplay wise with Walter, you essentially play as him across various decades of his life. It's really just like him narrating his own story or someone narrating his story. Um, Yeah. I think it's like a journal of his and he's kind of each time, like it skips like 10 years or so or like five, 10 years. And it's like you open a can of peaches and eat them. Like he's got this whole stash of food down there in the bunker to survive. And eventually after 30 years, he decides it's time to exit the bunker and he does so. There's like a, 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 a tunnel that he enters that leads outside into onto um, train tracks uh, in a tunnel. And he gets hit by a train. 
Pretty rough first day outside. Pretty, Pretty rough. rough. I would yeah. say didn't do very well uh, his first day. Um, I just I have a little bit of a fucked up sense of humor, I guess. I, I thought this was kind of like darkly comic. I don't know if it was intended to be that. Um, there are a lot of tragic deaths here. I didn't find the Barbara one funny at all. But <laughs> Walter spending all that time outside uh, and then like, or inside and then walking outside and getting hit by a train immediately was like come on that's yeah. a little silly yeah um but that's poor walter yeah um uh did we talk about molly we no no let, her. let's talk about molly molly again molly was the first um story that i played i think it was yours as well it might yes. be the first one you're supposed to play i'm not exactly sure but yeah tell us a bit about molly and i have some thoughts on the gameplay around about Molly's story. Yeah. So uh, Molly has a very like bright pink stereotypical little girl's bedroom. Um, you read uh, the last diary entry Molly wrote to kind of access her story. Um, it's kind of Molly's fantasy where you start as Molly um, and she's very hungry. Um, so she's like sneaking out of the house um, and whether to what degree all of this is real or in her imagination, it's not clear. But she sneaks out looking for something to eat um, and she becomes different animals. So a cat, an owl, a shark, a monster. Um, and it, we wind up um, waking back in her bed. Um, she thinks that there is a monster under her bed ready to eat her. Um, but what we kind of realize is that she died from eating uh, poisoned berries. And, and possibly eating a whole like thing of toothpaste. Which probably doesn't help kill you, but I mean, yeah, I guess apparently not though. I thought they say call poison control. If you eat a bunch of toothpaste. Yeah. Um, Um, This is the gameplay of these, the different animals. I was not in love with this. Um, I I was not either. It felt pretty janky. Um, And that's the thing. Like um, some of these, uh, like the, the gameplay styles of each person's story are different, but the controls are by and large, very simple. Um, so Molly's, you know, you're playing as the shark in this underwater environment. That's actually pretty well rendered, you know, for a game that doesn't take place primarily underwater, Yeah. but you, your navigation is really, again, just kind of janky stiff. Like it's kind of unclear where you're supposed to be going. I'm glad you brought that up because in a game that has so many constraints on your movement, I think this story needed more of that. Like when you're an owl and you're trying to, huh? More, yeah, more freedom, like no, more freedom of movement. No, I think I want less. So, okay. like when I was when I was like the cat part is very linear, but when you're an owl and you have to like find, it took me like a second to realize you need to like dive under the ground and pick up and eat some rabbits. I would miss them sometimes. It wasn't always clear where one was. Um, when you're a shark, I got lost in the water. Like I got, supposed, yeah, I got lost chasing this like yeah. seal or something, and it's all foggy and. You can't see where you're going and it kills the momentum. I wish you would have just, it would have put you on a linear path, constrained your movement so you could easily follow and find this seal that you needed to eat. It's just, it, it, it kind of ruined the momentum of the story for me. Um, like, you know, you'd get, as you're doing this, you get this narration, which is very engaging. But once you start to become lost, you don't trigger the next stage of the narration. It kind of kills the mood. Yeah, so a couple of things with Molly. Um, first, th- again, like you mentioned, this is the first uh, person story I played. I put the game down after this um, and came back to it a couple of days later because okay. I was like, oh, if this is what all of them are like, I'm kind of concerned. 
Um, they're not, they're not all like this. I think this is one of the weakest ones in terms of like gameplay, mm -hmm. but also kind of in terms of like thematic, uh, like what they're even doing right with this game. If this is the first, uh, story you play. And again, I don't, I don't know that it is like, maybe there is a different story you can play first, but if this is the first one you play, like, it's kind of very unclear, even when you're done with it, like what happened to her or what's the point? Like, why are you entering their stories? Yeah. I think if they jumped into one of the adults uh, who passed away first, it would be a little bit clearer. Um, just because Molly, it's like, I don't know. She's this little girl with a big imagination. Oops, she died. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it, it it just felt kind of out of nowhere a little okay. bit. And I, I felt the same way after playing this one as you did. I played through this whole game from start to finish. Um, and I'm glad I did. I... I mean, I would have come back to play it because we were doing it for this episode. But, you know, if I was just doing this for fun. That was almost a moment like that would kind of turn me off so much from the game. I could could have seen myself not coming back for a while. Um, so, yeah, that was Molly's story. Um, next, we have Calvin, who is Edith's maternal great uncle. His he doesn't have a whole lot of character traits. I mean, he's, he's interested in astronomy um, and he died by falling off a cliff. Um, he is one of the two brothers who had their room split in half that we were mentioning before, kind of like the half, half astronomy theme, half like cowboy theme. The other half is his brother, Sam. Um, we'll talk about Sam in a second. Um, the way you play Calvin's story is you are, and this to me, I thought this was one of the best parts of the game. It's super simple. I liked the narration and I also just the emotionally, I thought this was actually like, for some reason, this hit me, even though it's just a kid kind of being stupid and suicidal almost. Um, you have your, it's a first person perspective of Calvin on the swing on the side of the cliff by the house. And he is, you're just kind of pushing the joystick back and forth to make Calvin go higher and higher. And the narration is a note written by Calvin's brother, Sam, who is explaining to you that, you know, Calvin was stubborn. He was determined to fly. And so he was going to do it in whatever way he could. And what ends up happening is you start, you know, catching enough momentum that you spin the swing around the tree a couple times and Calvin flies off the swing and flies to his death. Well, okay. Yes. But can we please emphasize that this tree is literally on the edge of a cliff yes. out like against really the ocean. Stupid place. It's Every incredibly stupidly placed. I, I, it is interesting that I found Walter's death comically uh like really darkly comically funny uh i did not with calvin for some reason i'm just like man that's sad Poor I, kid. I, st I still think it's sad I, I think it's both sad and stupid and again i think it goes to the curse that we can talk about at the end i'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this curse i must admit i don't care enough to figure out what this curse is i, I and i and i had a, i've had enough time to digest this game and I didn't really do enough with that time because I just didn't care very much. And that's maybe one of why I don't think this game is fantastic. It didn't grip me as enough to make me want to solve the, the, the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about getting thrown off a cliff by a deer. Yeah. Now this one was funny. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. So this one um, is Sam Finch, which is Edith's grandfather. Um, and this one is kind of uh, like a picture taking simulator. Um, where you are taking pictures as Dawn, um, who is Edith's mother, um, and you're on a hunting trip uh, with Sam. And it is Dawn's first time shooting a deer. 
Um, we don't know if she's gone hunting before, I don't think, but we know this is the first time that she is going to shoot a deer today. Yes. So um, you take pictures of your dad, of Sam, um, and various different things on your hunting trip. Um, and then the final shot you take uh, is Sam approaching the buck that Dawn has shot. Um, and as he is holding up the, the head of the buck for Dawn to take a picture, um, the buck is not dead. Uh, the buck kind of um, throws his head back and knocks Sam off a cliff to his death. Yes. Um, pretty short, pretty simple. It doesn't really give us much about Sam other than that he was a really good dad um, to Dawn. And Edith mentions that she never met him, but that her and Uncle Sam would probably have gotten along. Yeah. Um, next, we have Gus Finch. That is Edith's uncle. Um, he and so Sam, before Sam dies, um, he gets a divorce from his wife, Kay, and we'll explain shortly um why that happened um gus not a fan that his dad got remarried after that divorce um and so he's kind of a stubborn kid very defiant um he dies by being crushed by a totem pole that is knocked over during a storm and the way you play his story is that he's flying a kite on like a stormy day at a wedding um this is his dad's uh remarriage um and you're kind of steering the kite. It's really kind of neat. Like there's a poem that's explaining Gus's fate. And you're steering your kite in the air into like the words of the poem to get them to be said. Yes. Um, and I, I found that to be neat. Um, it wasn't immediately clear to me what happened. I, I don't, I think I looked away from the screen because eventually like you see the totem pole and I maybe presumably you see it fall towards you and then it cuts to black. I didn't see that. The last thing I saw was a totem pole, but I didn't see exactly what happened. So I wasn't sure if I got struck by lightning or what I had to look it up. Is it a totem pole? Okay. So you did look it it up. I I thought it was um, one of the like poles holding up the tent and that he got impaled by it. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I mean, either, either way, either way, this is also uh, one of those that's like weirdly funny because the poem is kind of funny because it's yeah. all like weirdly rhymy, like a little kid's poem would be, but it's about like this really horrific death. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, there, there is like tongue in cheek humor in this that like sometimes I do appreciate. So, and maybe that's a good segue into the next one, which I thought tonally was really interesting. I didn't dislike it, but it is. So. The death I, of it, I, let's just say yeah. the death of an infant I, I love is the, extremely sad. It's really hard to make it like, listen, if, if you gave me the project, create interesting gameplay for an infant drowning. I'd be yeah. like, you know what? I, I don't think I'm prepared to do that. Exactly. And, and so that's what this next uh, character and this next part, like the gameplay deals with. This is Gregory Finch. This is Edith's uncle. He dies as an infant by drowning in a bathtub due to parental negligence, what happens is the, what what happens in real life is that the mother Kay is giving him a bath. um, And father Sam keeps calling and distracting the mother. Um, She drains the bathtub. Well, and, and specifically they're fighting. Yes, they're fighting. Um, So she's very distracted, but she drains the bathtub. However, she still leaves Gregory in the bathtub with his toys and presumably Gregory finds a way to start the water running again and then drowns. Now, again, how do you make something like this 
engaging like emotionally or gameplay wise it's very dark i don't want to say it doesn't work because i excuse me i can't think of how else i would have done it now did it need to be done i don't know i mean that's um do you want to tell us about how yeah how you how this plays out it's it's actually it's like really poignant and kind of beautiful um, so you control first Gregory's hands when there is water in the tub, um, kind of uh, almost like a composer directing his toys. And um, I believe it's like the dance of the sugar plum fairies from the yes. Nutcracker is playing. Yep. And um, like kind of in his head and the toys are kind of like dancing and moving in coordination to his movement. Obviously, you can tell right away, like this is his imagination. This is a yes. baby's imagination. And then over the top of that, the narration is um, a letter that um, his father has written um, to his now ex-wife Kay, um, kind of talking about Gregory and what happens. You don't really understand the full context of the letter until the very end. Um, but uh, after Gregory is able to, um, after the water is drained, you control this like jumping frog toy. Um, and that is the mechanism through which you start the water again. Yeah. So again, that's, you know, if you want to be a crazy conspiracy theorist, you could be like, oh, maybe it wasn't his imagination. Maybe the curse, act, you know, took over the frog. And so yeah. I don't see it that way. It, he was a little kid. It was his imagination. He started the water. He didn't know what he was doing and he drowned. Yeah. Um, so now kind of to wrap this up, we're going to get into like Edith's immediate family. I'm going to, go through her parents really fast. Um, well, so- what's weird is, yeah, they like they both kind of gloss over them. Dawn gets a little more playtime, but not a lot. Yeah, I mean, what the, the, the key takeaways is that his her mother Dawn um, and her father Sanjay, um, at, her mother Dawn died from an unknown disease at age 48. Her father Sanjay, it's implied that he died. So he did like disaster relief. Um, for a living and he it's implied that he dies during an earthquake that hits a site where he was part of that disaster relief team um sanjay there's not a whole lot of detail dawn again not a whole lot of detail you get a little bit of dawn peppered in like she's the reason there are peepholes and all the kids bedroom doors um and the reason for that uh is the disappearance of her son um edith's oldest brother i believe milton Yes. Do you want to talk about Milton? Because Milton, I, there's something I didn't include in the outline that I'm going to bring up. You might have read it yourself. Um, um, is it a Stephen King reference? Uh, well, uh, no, but yeah, I, I know what you're referring to, but please do mention that. Um, then yes. I'll mention it in something else too after you're done. Um, so like you mentioned, Milton is Edith's older brother. Edith, the main character you're playing as, not Edith, the you know, great, yeah, not great grandmother. Edie, yes, not Edie. Um, he disappeared when he was 11 and was never found. So um, his part of the house, um, Milton and Edith shared a room, right? No, I think Edith has oh, the highest room in the entire yes. house. Is where you end the yes. game. Yes, yes, you're mm-hmm. right. Um, but Milton um, is in an observatory. Yes, that's right. His room is observatory-like room near the top of the main part of the house. Um, this, this one I really liked, his gameplay. It is a cartoon flip yes. book. It's very simple. Very simple, um, very short. I think there very could have sh- been a little bit more. There should have been a little bit more like this. But so you pick up the flip book and then um, basically all you do is uh, move the controller so that you're kind of flipping through it. Um, it kind of tells the story of Milton who gets a magic paintbrush um, by a drawing that comes to life. He uses the paintbrush to make the flip book that Edith holds. And there's even like a flip book within the flip book. 
um, yes. which is very cool. Yeah. But through the flipbook story, it implies that he uses his, you know, quote unquote, magical paintbrush to draw a magical door, which he goes through and disappears. Yes. Um, so who who really knows, right? Who is knows? That, is that real? Did he run away? Did something else happen to him? So I, I say who knows, but I think it is been all but confirmed by the creators of this game. And I and I don't I haven't played this other game, so I can't weigh in too much on this. That one thing I noticed, and I haven't played the game The Unfinished Swan by this by by the developer of this game. Um, but the art style of some of his paintings are very similar to the art style of their game, The Unfinished Swan. There apparently is this like king-like character in that game, and it is heavily implied, and maybe it, it actually might have been confirmed by the developers of the game that Milton actually is that king. So they're mm. this is a this is connected to the world, The Unfinished Swan. Milton like disappears and ends up in this kind of like fantasy world. Mm. Um, so yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, it I, interesting. I, I, I do like I do like the idea that Milton disappeared and didn't die. I like the way that you find this out. It's nice and concise. Um, it's short. I think his observatory is pretty neat. Um, now, yeah, what else do you have to say about Milton? Yeah, so I it's very interesting that that connects to the Unfinished Swan, or it may connect to that. I thought it was a reference to the Stephen King novel, The Tommyknockers. Yep. Um, where, uh, again, to make a very long story short, um, people get these heightened abilities to like make and invent things. Uh, and a boy in that book uh, wants to be a magician and he basically like invents a way to make his little brother disappear and that's it yeah uh, and the little brother does not come back I, I that they thought it come into my mind as well I more of just like a, oh that's kind of neat if that would have been an influence on this I don't I wouldn't say it's as close to to say with any certainty that it was an influence here but kind of yeah i mean it, it could just be like any of the books on the shelf just kind of like a little wink towards, yeah. towards that um but do you want to tell us about lewis because lewis i think is my probably my favorite i yeah, okay so let's let's talk about this and i think i had a feeling this was going to be something we talk about a lot um this might be my least favorite okay i was um i'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this i think when i talk about what doesn't work about this game um so i'll, I'll, I'll save it um, but Lewis is Edith's older brother. His personality, he's kind of like a stoner character. His room is, I think, one of the coolest in the entire house. Definitely. It's essentially, like, once you get out of, like, the main, main house, you start getting into, like, these rooms that are almost kind of, like we said, like, almost helter-skelter-y, like, haphazardly stacked on top of the house and on top of each other. So once you get, you know, after the observatory with Milton, you go to Lewis's room. Um, and... Lewis, it's, it's, it's this very like stereotypically stonery, like, like black light type yeah. room. Um, there's like a video <laughs> black game light posters. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you find out that Lewis worked at a fish cannery and that he died by suicide um, when he was about like 21 years old. And it's very heavily implied uh, that he decapitated himself with the blade from the fish cannery. Now, how you play his story. So there is a narrator. I think the narrator is his therapist. Is that right? Yeah. Who is again, same with the letter with uh, in the Gregory scenario, you don't really understand the context of the letter that, you know, that Lewis committed suicide until kind of the very end. Yes. Um, and so, so the letter is from his therapist explaining to Dawn, like what she believes kind of happened to him. So at first 
you are in this cannery and you are kind of taking your control stick to grab a fish and then move it to decapitate the fish on the right side of the screen. There's a little like mini guillotine type thing. And, and you then keep, you dump it down a little and you don't, and then you have to throw it down like a little like hole shoot yeah. uh, shoot. And eventually that becomes what you are doing. I believe with the right control stick. Yes. On the left side of the screen, there is, so as you're doing this, you find out that Lewis was starting to daydream during the day, <laughs> during the day. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the best time for daydreaming. He was, he was daydreaming yeah, you know. <laughs> while at the cannery um, <laughs> uh, as kind of like, kind of creating this like fantasy for himself to escape the monotony of life, the cannery. And you start playing his daydream with your with the left stick and the way this daydream plays out and again so like this is kind of this part is almost overlaid over like the fish task i don't even know if you have to continue the fish task but i found it an interesting exercise in coordination oh i I definitely did both to be doing both at the same time yeah they're side by side and his imagination slowly encroaches more and more and more on the right side of the screen even yes. though you're still doing the fish decapitation. So the, I just should just say the way that this is designed in general, I think is really, really creative. Um, it's especially how you mentioned, like it's encroaching, like clearly the daydream is getting stronger and his grasp, his grasp on reality is kind of slipping a little bit. And you can kind of just imagine that kind of coinciding with a potential um, dive deeper into a state of depression. Um so the way his like daydreaming plays out is it kind of it's 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 also represented in represented in the evolution of the quality of the type of game that you're playing that this daydream. So it starts out and you're in this like 2D like maze that you're navigating. And eventually the graphical quality of the daydream that you're controlling like the character you're trying to navigate the graphical quality increases it becomes like 3D isometric. Then it becomes like more like fully 3D just kind of almost like mirroring the evolution of video games yeah, yeah um with the, with the detail and because you know earlier games like sometimes all you're doing is just getting from point a to point b in a maze and then it, you know and then the detail and the scope of the story that you're playing out on the left side of the screen expands and it ends in kind of you navigating like a boat like taking a journey to this fantasy land and then getting off the boat and going into this kingdom, this like castle, where you are then brought to a guillotine and the guillotine kind of comes down. And that's really your implication that Lewis decapitated himself. Yes. And that's Lewis. That is Lewis. Should we save our thought more detailed yeah. thoughts on that for what works, what doesn't work? Because yeah, we don't have I, much left to talk about. I, I will say, though, that this is probably the most intricate, um, the probably the longest, too, out of all of the like gameplay. It felt the longest to me anyway. It, it was very long. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, I would I, I guess I like I said, there's a lot you can look up in development, but it feels like this is probably um, they probably spent a lot of time on this. I think so, too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so the game ends pretty quickly after this so what happens is you go to the final room of the house the highest highest room and obviously the most dangerous because it's the highest and i don't know how she didn't die um throughout her life living there edith 
Edith's bedroom. Um, and you get into her bed and you uh, see yourself grabbing uh, a quill pen to write the journal that she's na- been narrating this entire game from. And this is also where you kind of find out the story about her finding like her great, great grandmother's um, or great grandmother Edie's um, book about the curse. And this is kind of where you play out that part of the story. And then right before, and then. Well, um, significantly, it's not a book of the curse. It is a, it is their family right. history. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, and then the game ends by Edith pretty much narrating that she does eventually like, that she dies. Right. Yeah, that's the, well, that yeah. she's, or like it's someone's narrating that she dies presumably yes. during childbirth. And this whole time, her son, Christopher has been reading her journal, which is like the narration that is you're hearing throughout. And you see Christopher at the gravesite at the house, putting flowers on Edith's grave. And so like what remains is her, her journal, her yes. like last words. Did I miss anything about the end? No, no, you nailed okay. it. Um, Should we do Curse Corner before we talk about what works yeah, and what doesn't work? Yeah, let's do Curse Corner. Curse Corner can can, can kind of lead into what doesn't work for me. Sure. Um, so we'll start with Curse Corner. I think it's like pretty simple curse. It's just the curse of mental illness. Um, yeah, that, that's I guess I didn't, I didn't think about it as that kind of like... Um, yeah, I think I, right, I, yeah, I just, I saw this because I unfortunately, uh, have a very strong family history of mental illness on both sides of my family. Um, so I like this, that's immediately what I kind of glommed onto. Um, and yeah, I mean, even just think about the, like, think about the different things, like the family and the kids were doing, like who takes their entire house across the sea? Like that's not even for like a, a larger than life story. That's a dumb thing to do. Right. Think about the kids swinging on the side of, you know, swinging off the tree on the side of the cliff. Like mm-hmm. who puts a swing like on a tree that close to the cliff? Obviously someone who's like clearly not thinking about their kids well-being. Like th- this whole family just seems to be a group of like highly creative, eccentric, but like forgetful, like people who should not necessarily be like taking care of children or like doing these various things because they obviously have so many things going on in their own heads um, that like, yeah, that's like the curse to me is also the idea that um, like a lot of stories about family curses, like at the end, I mean, think about hereditary. There's really two kind of two lessons. It's like the one is you can't choose your family. Right. And that's kind of a family right. curse idea. Like you're stuck with them no matter what. The silver lining of that is families are like a curse because you're kind of stuck with them, but they're also a blessing. Um, and that's kind of also what I saw in this game is like, are they a cursed family or are they a family who like, you know, love each other and are eccentric um, and, you know, have probably some very undiagnosed, not treated mental illness, but. Um, they're, you know, they, they made all these amazing memories together, right? Like they were all very unique, amazing, special people. Um, that, that was kind of my takeaway with the curse. What do you think? I I agree with you. And I must admit, I I didn't really think about it very much at all. Um, I think what I, I didn't think about that. I think, I think it's a good way of thinking about it. If the, the brief moments I did spend thinking about it was more of like a, let's just try to imagine some sort of mystical curse i went into some more of that kind of magical realm um and thinking about like okay maybe who might have cursed them something like that 
again, I didn't go down that road very far because I didn't, I didn't care much. I enjoyed the experience for the most part. Um, you know, I guess I'll just segue into like what works and doesn't work because I think the setting works, the graphics work, the music, um, the storytelling style. I love the way the text appears on the screen and you don't have to look at it, right? You can just listen. But I love like the way, like the the, the narration of the story, like actually is embodied on screen. Um, again, setting is incredible. It's my favorite part about the game. Um, what doesn't work for me is I, I think the story, some of the storytelling is overtold. Um, I could actually have probably used a little bit less. Like at a certain point, it's like, yeah, we get it. Like it's sad. Um, minor gameplay annoyances that I mentioned, like the, the, the Molly sequence, I thought was a little bit annoying, uh, killed the momentum. I thought, yeah, again, this is my really my last complaints that the, the Lewis section, while I really love the game for how creative it was, I think it goes on too long and I got very bored. Mm. with the with just engaging in it i'm like i get it i don't okay, need to, I, um, to see it play out anymore interesting i think it, i just thought it, i thought it went on too long i liked more of the shorter doses um the comic i don't i didn't like time all of these things but like the comic with barbara's story I, that didn't feel too long that felt like just the right amount of time and i get that like, this is being kind of paced like in a way like a movie and that, like, I get, like, as you're getting higher and higher, you're finding out in the house, you're finding out more uh, information, you're getting kind of down to the, the family tree, you're learning about Edith's immediate family. It makes sense to have a long section like Lewis's, and it's very clear that Edith is very was very close to him and very affected by his death. But I just, I still think it goes on too long. I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I guess it was I a very that. conscious decision to make it that way. I don't think it was a mistake. No, I just I wasn't. I just wasn't a fan. It kind of just kind of killed my momentum. And I was, I was getting interested in kind of how the end of the game was going to play out. And then Lewis's thing came along and I, I was, I walked away from Lewis's story. Like I, after like half of it was done, I'm like, I know where this is going, you know? Yeah. It, it yeah. was, it was almost very, I don't want to say arrogant. It's like, they were, they're very clearly very proud of that sequence of that, of the game. Yeah. And overindulgent, I would say. I, yeah, I'd say that's fair. I would say, yeah, it is perhaps a bit overindulgent. I think I was just so pulled into, um, pulled into the moment, but you, you know, it's, it's definitely subjective. Um, going along with what, uh, what doesn't work, um, kind of like I was saying is I just wish, I mean, maybe not like I, I kind of wish if they were going to hammer home like, um, you know, some greater lesson about, you know, what is the curse of it? You know, if it is mental illness, like, let's really go into that. Let's talk about each family. You know, I could I think they could have leaned into that more um, in terms of what does work, though. A lot of the things you mentioned. Also, when I was playing this, I was thinking about, you know, like, why is this a game? Um, why or you know why is this an interactive experience instead of a short story or you know a book of short stories you know you could do one about each character or mm -hmm. a movie or whatever the case may be and I think the only reason why this works as an interactive experience is when there is that true marriage between uh, gameplay and um, theming yes um, and I think Lewis had that <clears throat> um, I think you're right it went on too long but I think it definitely had that marriage of gameplay and theming yeah. Um, I, I don't think like Molly had that. Um, 
Barbara's the comic book. I thought that was fitting for, especially for her character. You know, she was like a, you know, young horror uh, icon. Yeah. So it makes sense. I, like I didn't that. like, I didn't love the art style, um, but I thought that as like I, a device it worked. Yeah, I didn't, I, I agree with you on that. I didn't love the art style either, but I was, I was still very engaged. Um, I, I really, really did, um, love Calvin's, like you said, just the simplicity of it, but I did find it kind of poignant and I found it poignant again, not because like, oh, the stupid kid is going to you know kill himself uh, trying to go around the tree, but just the idea that like your parents were so either negligent or distracted by mm-hmm. their own things that they just yeah. set up the swing on the cliff and like, they didn't watch you. Like that's, that's what's sad to me about it. Like yeah. no one was there to like watch you and make sure you didn't do that. Yep. Um, so that's where I, th- I think this game like really sings when you have that marriage of the gameplay and uh, the theming. I don't know that that happened. It, no, I know it doesn't happen as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I definitely think this game is worth playing. I'd give it like like a B. Um, I think it's worth your time. I also, in terms of things that work, I, I think the length works. Um, Overall, I would say I agree with that. I would give I would probably give it like a C plus B minus. Probably yeah, B-. I, I'd say B minus. Yeah, I, w- I would say B minus is fair. Um, but yeah, that's the game. That's yeah. the plot. Uh, so this game is very much like a movie. And so for this section, uh, this segment, I casted the movie. I casted three characters in the movie, but I also came up with an idea of how I would do it as a different type of video game. I like both of those. And I also like the idea, because I will admit I did not cast the entire family tree because I think I would be crazy. Um, but I have a solid three. I have a solid three. I did Edith, Dawn, and Edie. Okay. I like um, that. Edith, I have Thomas and Mackenzie, okay. who I've been seeing more of recently, and I think she's just a really excellent actress. I think she would play this role really well. Um, Dawn, I have Olivia Coleman. Um, you don't have much work to, much to work with with Dawn. I, maybe I was a little bit lazy in my casting and that I didn't attempt to like cast more characters. I guess Lewis would have been a good one to cast. I, don't, I didn't really think about that but the most important one is Edie and I have June Squibb as Edie. June Squibb that's a name that does not <clears throat> register with me. <laughs> have you, um, I'm trying to think have you seen Nebraska? Um, oh man I'm trying to think of what else if you just google her right now and you'll just be like yeah that's Edie and if you see her like mannerisms um, she's v- like she's an Edie. <laughs> She'd be a great Edie. Um, okay, uh, who'd you say for Dawn? Uh, Olivia Coleman. I see. See, here's the tricky part about um, like Edie or uh, Lewis is that you have to cast half Indian actors. Or, I mean, it would be ideal to cast half Indian actors. And like, unfortunately, I just don't know a ton of half Indian actors. Which is I, I my d- own fault. I don't either. And I, so I didn't go that route, I must admit. Uh, yeah. Um, how would you cast this movie? Okay, so I actually do have someone I think would be good for Edie. And um, unfortunately, I don't know if they're half Indian, but I believe that they may have some East Asian background. Um, have you ever seen the show Generation on HBO Max? No. Okay. Um, there's a character uh, that uh, I believe is East Asian who is female, who I am looking up her name and I cannot find it. But if you can find you, uh, brave listener the cast member of Generation on HBO. (laughs) She would look just like Edie. Um, For uh, for Dawn, uh, I don't know why, but I had Sally Field. But I think Sally Field is a little too old. So I think she... Actually, I think think if you like CGI, like makeup Sally Field, Sally Field could be Edie. 
Yeah, sure. You, you make her look like 93 instead of what? 75? Yeah. Something? And then um, I had the guy that played Mohinder Suresh from Heroes as Sanjay. <laughs> 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 um, but I am very excited uh, to hear uh, how you would remake this as a video game. So I would do it as like a murder mystery adventure game, like an actual adventure game. Um, possibly from the perspective of either like a private detective or a the Seattle police department or something like a Washington state, like police department investigating Finch death deaths and disappearances over the decades. And you're kind of like going generation to generation, right? Um, different generations of the same, almost maybe like, maybe you have like a cop, like a, a detective, you know, in the early like 1900s and then like that cop's son takes over the investigation, things like that. And you can, you can ask people around the, like the nearby town, you can go investigate the house yourself. You can experience the story in a different way, read these journals and such. You can almost in this, essentially it's almost in a way taking the game and making it longer, but replacing the Edith thing with this and finding out what happened to Edith. And maybe, you know, the same thing happened. You find that out, just you find her journal at the end. Um, maybe she doesn't give it to Christopher. Maybe you find Christopher or like, you know, you're at the top of the house at the end. You're like, what the hell happened? You're like, you're reading this journal about the curse, um, from Edie. And then you look outside and you're like, oh shoot, I see some kid. And you're just like thinking it's something bad, but it's just Christopher finding his way to the house and putting flowers on the grave. And you go and talk to him and he explains what happened. Something like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, all right. Uh, shall we talk about our Kingdom Hearts levels? Yeah, how would Nomura fuck this one up? You know, actually, I, and I told you this, I think this would make a really badass Kingdom Hearts level. I think it could too. And, and, and yeah. I think I think the way that this always ends up working is that l- games and movies that have less now I don't want to say less density, but less like status as like a classic or like something that's not part of like an expanded universe, like those those types of games work better for kingdom hearts levels than like the likes of star Wars or pirates of the Caribbean and these big franchises. Like well, also, also too, like, I think um, like, st- like franchises with strong through line stories. Yeah. Uh, kingdom hearts. You have to kind of like fit those characters in, or as this doesn't really have a strong through line story. So you can kind of just like have Soren the gang show up there and just kind of go. Yeah. And you, you're not beholden to any strong narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, so the level is obviously like the Finch house, um, for me. Um, I didn't go any deeper and do it like, Oh, it's actually in the world of the flip book or something. I didn't want to do that. Um, I, you could call it something like seaside hearth. I was going to call it Orcas Island. Uh, That works too. A little bland, but, um, you know, the task Sora is helping Edith find out what happened to her family, I guess, except like Nomura would make it stupid and like have all of them have been killed by heartless or something like that. Um, I don't know who the boss was. I, I maybe this is, seems like the kind of level where you're just fight, fighting a giant heartless or maybe like a fish heartless or something. Um, my keyblade is called Generations Curse. The shaft of the key is a paintbrush. Um, the blade is kind of shaped like a fish. Um, and the keychain is a little jar of peaches. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. And then the keyhole um, is inner journal. 
Sure, why not? I mean, the, uh, the key, where the keyhole is always such a throwaway thought because is. I don't really even think in the Kingdom Hearts games they give a fuck where they put they the keyhole. They don't. Hole. We almost it's should just, just like, stop yeah. talking about yeah. it. It's, it's, yeah. a no, it's a nothing exercise. It is a nothing exercise. <laughs> like, why yeah. is the keyhole in the middle of, like, a cave in Agri- like in the middle of Agrabah? Like, I don't who, know. Yeah. Um, How about you? All right. Uh, so it would be, uh, the level will be called Orcas Island. Um, it would be uh, basically, you know, the house and the surrounding area. Um, what I, but it would all be blown out, right? It would, you couldn't use the same proportions, obviously, um, as the actual game. It would be kind of similar to, um, Oogie Boogie's, uh, like okay. kind of house in Kingdom Hearts one a little bit, but just picture that, but like way bigger and you could go inside and like interact with the rooms. Um, so this would be, this whole world would be like a little sandbox boss rush. And uh, you would go through each area of the house collecting different items significant to each Finch member to learn about them. And then what, what has happened to each Finch member is that they become a Heartless. And that the Heartless, whatever Heartless they're, they're like is tied to how they died. And that by like defeating them and using the Keyblade and showing them these items that were important to them, they would turn back into people and then, you know, reunite with Edith is my version. The I like game. it. Yeah. And then my keyblade would be called Home is Where the Heart Is. Um, and it would be shaped like the house. Um, and then the keychain would be Edith's journal. Oh, of course. Yeah. I like it. I, very good. Like it better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine's, mine's shite. Um, <laughs> fan fiction corner. Fan fiction corner. Uh, so I. This goes into like, I don't think that this community, this game has a huge fan community because I feel like this game is like absolutely begging for fan fiction to fill in a lot of those gaps. Yes. Or to like give us more of these characters because I will say in something that works, like while I don't love like Molly's story, I don't dislike any of these characters. I like a lot of these characters. I don't think we get to know a lot of them to like to truly like, I don't know Molly enough to like really love her as a character. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike her, but I do genuinely like, like I like Lewis. I think Lewis is really interesting. Like I think Edith is very interesting. Um, Yeah. Like, so I, I think some of these characters are worthy of more exploration and it kind of astounds me that I was finding kind of not a lot. Hmm. What about you? I no, nothing. I, I mean, I didn't. I, I was more interested in my own fan fiction, which I think you might be interested in. Um, I went, I went cuckoo bananas with my fan fiction. Um, I, and it's kind of I wish it existed. Um, I'm I'm happy to tell you about it now, unless you want to to do your do yours first. Please, please tell me. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going full horror. Okay. Okay. Christopher is he needs to find out what it, what's going on with this curse. Um, and so obviously he is going to do as much research as he can and find out where the origins of this curse are. And he's going to end up in Norway. Love it. And as we know um, about, you know, the likes of Sweden and Norway, I was gonna say, there's the, cults the everywhere. The yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, he's going to find out that there's some cult in Norway that cursed the family long ago, and he's going to find the descendants of that cult, and he is not going to like what he finds. Um, obviously, he's going to learn too much, and he is going to have to spend a lot of time escaping the cult's clutches, and it's going to be a fight for his life. He's going to be there by himself. He is going to experience the horrors that this cult has to offer. And will he find the answers? Who's to say? 
I love it. Does this exist in the um, continuity? Remember in the Hereditary episode? Yes, we found this, the is, this is right in line with Hereditary. There's, and there's like a weird, somewhere. the Hargus are like this weird X-Files crew investigating paranormal occurrences around the globe. Yeah, I think that that would fit very well. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, all right. So for Fan Fiction Corner, I found um, kind of a couple trends. One is what remains of like John Finch. And it's basically just like, okay, someone else showing up and we're adding a new Finch character and whatever. And then a lot of them were like, what remains of like Carl Panzram or you know, made up whatever name Carl Panzram is not a made up mm-hmm. name, but whatever. And it's like, oh, you're just adopting this narrative style and making up your own thing, which, okay, I guess that confuses me. I've seen a couple of those. Cause it's like, the uh, this this story like going to your ancestral home and finding out about your family like that's not so unique that it belongs to what remains of Edith Finch so I'm like going through some of these and they're very very long and I'm like just write your own fucking book (laughs) like you know like there's nothing that has to be beholden to Edith Finch Mm. here just like go write your own book yeah um but I did find one called peach juice (laughs) <laughs> um did you find peach juice no so okay. about it i love the title i full okay would you like to hear the tags on peach juice i sure would here are the tags introspection isolation peaches dash freeform mm. tra- trains mm. yeah okay um so peach juice uh here's the, i won't read the full text but it's really only a paragraph and it's by Sam Sandwich. <laughs> it's, that's the name. It's by Sam underscore Sandwich. It's called Okay. I just played What Remains of Edith Finch, and I've never related to a story more than Walter's. Having something traumatic, earth-shattering, completely overtaking your life and how you see it, uh, so you lock yourself away. A select few know of you, keep you alive, but you never come out. And it kind of goes on. And then at the end, it says, and you let it happen because the sun shining on your face feels better than anything you've ever felt. And you just can't let it or you can't let it go just yet. So it's basically this person played what remains of Edith Finch. And then it's just talking about how Walter's story made them feel. And then there's one comment. It said, I'm working on getting all the trophies. Thanks for the short story. I love it. This is not a short story. (laughs) It's not. Uh, it's almost like approaching like a rant. Uh, or it's just almost like approaching a- like a review slash emotional free form about what Walter's story meant to you. You specifically, though, but you not like a character you made up you the like the archive of her own poster. Ugh. Not a not a short story. The setup was so strong. Peach juice, Sam sandwich, like the pieces <laughs> were there and it was such a colossal disappointment. I just really love the comment that also took place years later. Yeah. That, that was just, I'm working on getting all the trophies. Thanks for the short story. I love it. <laughs> I guess good thing that there's a supportive fan community. I, I know. Yeah. Um, as always, fan fiction continues to really baffle and, and astound. It really does. Just when um, you think there's going to be just a, just a whole heap of it, there's nothing. And then franchises, you can't possibly fathom how anyone could create fan fiction. There's far too much. Yeah, far, far too much. So, yeah, that was uh, what remains of Edith Finch. That's what's left of her. That's what's left of her. Um, What have you been up to? 
Um, I have been playing uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. The remake. I see that. Yeah. Um, they're very faithful remakes, which a lot of people are complaining about. I do not mind. Uh, I've also been dipping my toes into Shin Megami Tensei Five. Um, I really, really am hesitant to play that right now. I like it very Why? much. Um, but I like it so much that I really want to play it with no d- other distractions. So I'm probably going to finish Pokemon first. Okay. Um, but right now I've literally been running around the, the first area, just like fighting battles. Cause I want to strengthen my characters, but the theming, the, like, just the, the, the world that it create, like, it's all very, very good. And I want to give it my, my full attention. Okay. How about you? You've been a might busier than, than me, I would say. Uh, well, I'm getting married this weekend. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not the weekend that people will be listening to this, uh, but a couple days after Thanksgiving uh, when we're recording. Um, you also decided to just, just throw Thanksgiving on there too. You couldn't, you couldn't also have the stress of a wedding. You had exactly. the stress of a, a, a very intense holiday. Um, here's what I've been doing. So Miranda and I have been like rewatching tons of MCU movies. Um, I think what was prompted by that is like we were kind of exploring like what our favorite MCU movies are, and we've just been watching a ton, ton of them. Um, very enjoyable. Video game wise, I've just been playing Binding of Isaac a lot more. Won't get into that. I've seen that as well. Um, I, I look at I look at the number of hours you played on Switch, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so I actually think that the hours are wrong. Um, so once I updated the game to the Repentance DLC, interestingly the because you can buy repentance like straight out like it'll like appear as an icon on your switch menu and like when you log hours it'll say binding of isaac repentance Ah. but i bought binding of isaac after birth plus and when i downloaded the repentance dlc it didn't change any of that it still says after birth plus and i I think it actually stopped recording hours because i when i last look i think it said 210 hours no i had 210 hours like two months ago or like whenever, whenever I started playing it, like so I don't think it's been logging. So I think it's more like three hundred, oh maybe not three hundred, but it's it's getting there. Um, I am not going to go into this in great detail. I'm just going to say this now. I watched all of the Cowboy Bebop live action series, and I fucking hated it. Uh, it gets it gets very very little points for me. For things it did in terms of creative decisions and divergences from the original bad horrible horrible writing um and i'm really trying to say that as unbiased as i can cowboy bebop the tv show is one of my favorite shows of all time top three probably um and it, it was just a it's like the creators watched the show once or like half the show once and were tasked with creating a live action it's just it's it's just a disaster um we'll maybe get into that in a future episode yeah i i think we talked about a little bit and we talked about it on the show before but i just think it comes down to like what subsection of person is watching like this this bright colorful creative like kinesthetic um just amazing animation and is like you know what this would be so much better with just like regular clunky old people like i just i don't i don't understand that mindset and we've talked about this but it's why like cowboy bebop at best like at best if it was up like firing on all cylinders at best probably the most you could say is like it was pretty good the original was better yeah um and i just think that as a like if you're a creative person that's like setting yourself up for such failure, like, I don't know why you would choose a project like that. I agree. I could not possibly agree more. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so anyway. Well, uh, the next time they hear this at some point far down the future, uh, you'll be married. But I'll, you will have been married anyway. I'll be married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and we don't know what we're doing next time. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. You've got some some marriage to to settle first. Exactly, I do. Yeah, so. I got a score to settle. You got a real score to settle with your fiance with regards <laughs> to her agreeing to spend the rest of her life with you. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well, until next time, when all scores are settled, I am Aaron <laughs> and we're James and I. Have, take care, For everyone. Game and watch with Aaron and James. Peace out.